am joined today by Mallory Whitmore, aka The Formula Mom. Welcome, Mallory, to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. Oh, me too. I, I have loved your page for so long. Your page has been a huge turning point for my own mental health, um, and you've supported me through a lot, and you don't even know it. I love it. <laughs> and I- And I know that you are very supportive of my friends, family that I've sent to your page and obviously like a hundred thousand plus more people. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, But for people that maybe don't follow you or should be following you, please give us a little introduction to who you are and maybe why you started your Instagram page. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So as you mentioned, I'm Mallory Whitmore. I am on Instagram and TikTok and some other places as the formula mom. And I'm a certified infant feeding technician and formula feeding mom of two. And I started my page um, after realizing with both of my children that there just wasn't really good, high quality, research-based, supportive formula feeding information out there. And with my first, you know, I thought that we, I would breastfeed, not even necessarily because I wanted to, but because I felt like that's what I was supposed to do. And when it didn't work out, I was left feeling overwhelmed and guilty and also just lacking basic information about how to formula feed successfully. How do I pick a formula and how do I make a bottle and what are the food safety rules and what water do I use? And, you know, all of this sort of foundational stuff. And so I was like, that's really unfortunate. Um, And, you know, I had my son three years later and I thought, surely there's going to be better information out there. It's been three years. I can't be the only one who's in this boat. And there still wasn't. And so um, I spent the first uh, year of his life just, I went back to school and got my certification. I also worked at a formula company for about a year and then launched my platform after, you know, really wanting to put something together that is what I really desperately needed five years ago. Love it. I love when I meet other moms who are like, okay, my experience sucked and Uh (laughs) this needs to change. So let's like start making some noise about this. And absolutely. But also I think noise needs to be made, but then it also needs to be factual information. So the fact that you've also got it, you know, the certification behind you, it's huge because I mean, you can Google formula feeding and you can, you can get down some pretty dark rabbit holes. All sorts of things. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah. Well, thank you. So one of the biggest things that I talk about on my podcast, which is so important to me is mom's mental health. I think we all know mom is top of the family. Sorry, dad. Yes. (laughs) When mom's not happy, it all trickles down and, you know, it can kind of really put a rip through the whole family when mom's uh, struggling. So I know mental health and breastfeeding are a huge, huge thing. And I just wondered where you thought the pressure is coming from, for moms. Like, I know we all go through it yet. Like you just, like you said, we have, we get pregnant and you think I'm going to breastfeed, not because we want to, I mean, some people want to, of course, Yeah. but a lot of us you hear don't really want to, but we do it because we feel like we have to. Yep. Yeah gosh, so where does that pressure come from? I think it's, it's from everywhere. Truly. I think, you know, we hear it obviously from our medical providers, 
if you, you know, do a hospital tour, they'll talk about their breastfeeding metrics. You know, your OB will ask you for breastfeeding. The pediatrician you interview will talk about breastfeeding. You see the flyers in your OB's office or, you know, wherever else. So you get it from that angle. Of course you, you get it from social media. I think for me, that has been one of the most sort of dangerous places (laughs) or hurtful, harmful places for breastfeeding information, because, um, at that point, it, it's not always factual. It's not always objective. Sometimes it's really fear-mongering. Sometimes it's really coercive and manipulative. Sometimes it's not actually accurate information. And so um, you get it from there too. And then, you know, for me, it was also some of my family members, some of my friends, um, some of my in-laws. And that makes it really difficult when you're sort of getting all of this breastfeeding pressure from all angles. And then there's also this sort of undercurrent that equates breastfeeding with being a good mom. You know, some people, some people don't say that outright. Some definitely do, especially Mm -hmm. on the internet. Um, But that is absolutely the message being portrayed. And so of course, everybody wants to be a good mom. And that naturally leads you down the pipeline of, well, then I'm going to breastfeed. And then, you know, what happens if breastfeeding doesn't work out for you is that the natural response is to think, well, then I'm not a good mom. And then clearly that, you know, has a huge impact on mental health. And I think what's really tricky is that sometimes we'll see, especially on social media, this idea that breastfeeding is going to prevent postpartum depression. You know, you'll see a lot of statistics and they'll be like, oh, you know, the oxytocin and the serotonin and the feel good bonding hormones. Um, And for me, that almost made me feel guiltier because I was like, this is supposed to be helping. And not only is it not helping, it's actively hurting my mental health. Like, what does this say about me as a mom? Yeah, it's really tricky. Yes. And I think that a lot of us, as soon as like that sleep deprivation hits and, you know, say you're a week postpartum. Oh, and the hormones. Yeah. And the hormones Mm -hmm. and the opinions of everybody else, like you automatically almost start to feel like you're failing a little bit because Mm -hmm. they're not sleeping through the night yet, even though it's like been a week or something. Yeah or you're having your hormonal inflection or fluctuations and you're getting the opinions of everyone else. And then I really do hate that breastfeeding has become this, like, if you don't do it, you're a failure. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely felt that with my first, however, I pumped. So Mm -hmm. I was like half a failure, (laughs) (laughs) but Mm -hmm. even still, like, moms who are pumping full-time they can experience that too and you can you know get a get a lactation consultant do all of the things but it's also okay if you just would like to pump um I was totally content with pumping Mm -hmm. the my son got teeth at three months old so I was like hell to the no I don't I think he got teeth I was like I don't even I don't even want to attempt it (laughs) no I don't want no lactation Mm -hmm. consultant I don't want any of the things but I was comfortable with that Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's something that really can really affect mom's mental health. And 
that's something I'm always advocating for any of my friends who have struggled Mm -hmm. with it that's like the first thing I say like do you want to give it up that is okay and you should do that like it's nobody's decision but your own and formula is not going to kill your baby no not at all and truly what I wish someone would have told me was that like whatever benefits I was trying to provide in breast milk which there of course there are benefits absolutely totally that was not making up for the the fact that my baby was not getting what she needed from me in every other area because of what I was sacrificing in order to keep trying to pump. And I mean, just things like, you know, I was resentful and we weren't bonding and I felt dread when she cried instead of, you know, empathy and I wasn't taking care of myself and I wasn't taking care well for her. Um, And, you know, sacrificing all of that in order to provide breast milk, that was just not, you know, that was not as beneficial as I was led led to believe that breastfeeding may be um, because it cost me all those things. And so, yeah, I really appreciate what you're saying about empowering the the folks in your circle that it's not, you know, it can get to a point where it's not worth it. It is costing you too much. And, um, and truly formula is a great, healthy, nutrient dense option too. That's the best part. It's not like, you know, you have one great option and one like bottom of the barrel option. You have two good options. And so that makes the choice a little bit easier. Once people, you can get people to understanding that. Absolutely. I know. And that's what I think sometimes people look at it as like formula is the bottom barrel option. Like I formula fed both my kids and they're all, they're both very smart. <laughs> um, you know, like all of the things they say you won't get from formula. My kids got it. So, <laughs> Absolutely. so let's say there's a mom who is wanting to think about maybe starting mm-hmm. some formula how do we pick the right one? That is like the most overwhelming thing because now, I mean, thank goodness we live in a world where we have so many options, but if you are that first time formula feeder, you're like, holy shit, what, what, what do I pick? It's insane. And truly one of the biggest things I advocate for is even if you don't plan to formula feed, do some research before your baby gets here, because you do not want to be like me where, you know, my baby was two weeks old and it was 9 PM and I was standing in the formula aisle and I was sobbing and I was overwhelmed. And I was my, I, you know, turned to my husband. I was like, just pick something. I don't know. Um, you know, that doesn't, I I feel that. Yeah. So, um, you know, it is tricky. There's 50, plus different formulas on the market. And they all have these wild marketing claims, right? Of course you want closest to breast milk. Of course you want best for brain development or builds immunity or, you know, mm-hmm. build strong bones, whatever else. Um, and it, it can be really hard to know. So first and foremost, what I like to tell parents is that the FDA requires that all formulas that are sold as, you know, infant formulas in the U S provide the same nutritional profile. There's not a bad formula in that sense. Any formula that you pick up, no matter the ingredients, are going to provide the same general levels of macronutrients, protein, carbs, and fat, and micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, things like essential fatty acids, no matter what, name brand, store brand, generic, organic, whatever else. All formulas are going to provide the nutrients a baby needs. When it gets tricky is when you start looking at the ingredients that they use to pull those nutrients. So just like you can get protein from chicken or you can get protein from lentils, the ingredients that a formula uses to provide those same nutrients can vary widely, wildly both. Um, And that makes it really tricky. So um, the 
the sort of four things that I tell parents to look for if they're just starting out and they're totally overwhelmed is that the majority of babies, roughly 80% are going to do fine on a standard cow milk based formula. So you can avoid, you know, anything that says sensitive, anything that's soy based, anything, you know, that's hypoallergenic to start, you know, start with a standard cow milk based formula. You're going to want something that has lactose as the primary carb source, simply because lactose is the primary carbohydrate in breast milk. So babies are biologically designed to digest lactose. They're born with lactase enzymes. And sometimes that's a point of confusion, right? Because as adults, if we have a problem with milk, the conventional wisdom is, oh, you're lactose intolerant. But lactose intolerance is super rare for babies because breast milk is full of lactose, no matter what mom eats. So a lactose-based formula, something with extra whey protein, ideally within the first like three or four ingredients on the list, that meat will make it easier to digest and more similar to the way to casein protein ratio we see in breast milk. And then something with DHA if possible an essential fatty acid, which is good for brain development. So ignore all the marketing stuff, just pick up the formula, look at the back of the can and look for lactose, look for added whey, look for sources of DHA. Start there, give a formula at least two weeks before you decide whether or not it's, you know, a fail or whether it's a hit. And then you can, you know, go down the line if you end up needing a gentle formula, sensitive formula, or hypoallergenic. That's really great advice. And actually that's so much more simple than I thought it was. Like I got, I had to formula feed both children. Uh, my son was born at 10, three. Um, so he was a big boy and he had yeah. some sugar issues and I had yep. a section. So like my milk yep. didn't come in right away, mm-hmm. like all of the things. Yep. And, uh, so I had to feed him every two hours and we fed mm-hmm. him, uh, and for milk. Cause that's what the hospital had. Sure. Yeah. So that's just what we stuck with. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that worked out for us, but I know sometimes, you know, you don't formula feed it right away and, or, you know, you have to switch. We had to switch Connor a couple of different times between mm-hmm. like the regular Enfamil and the gentle yeah. leave. Like sometimes uh-huh. he would get like a weird tummy yeah. issue and absolutely. So, much more simple than I actually thought it was going to be. So I just learned something. I'm so glad. Yeah. And of course, you know, there are going to be babies that, that, you know, that formula pun intended pun, definitely intended does not work. Um, in terms of, you know, looking for those three or four things, but it's a good place to start to sort of cut through the noise and, and really focus on just finding a good formula that meets those criteria. Absolutely. So another question I have, because this was always a comment for me anyway. Mm-hmm. So I had pups rash. I'm not sure if you know what that is, but it's a it's horrible. Big. I'm like, it's I was like, like covered so in hives. Itchy, right? Oh yeah. I was covered in hives. It's like, um, the way the one doctor described it to me, cause my son was a boy and I am a girl that like, when I gave birth mm-hmm. to him, something happens with their fetal cells. And I was actually having like an allergic reaction oh, to his like male, yeah. It was, he said, this doesn't happen that often. It was freaking horrible. So the only way I was able to get rid of the hives was to give up breastfeeding because I was able to, or sorry, give up pumping because the hormones went away. Mm -hmm. And so, um, what was I going to say? Oh, I know. I'm like, why was I going down this road? So when I started to formula feed him more so, um, people kept commenting to me like, oh, you must just be like tired of being up all night because formula fed babies sleep longer. And I was like, I don't, 
I never really found that to be true. <laughs> like eventually yeah. down the road. Yes, of course he slept mm-hmm. longer, but when he was really young, I don't really find that to be true. So I'm just curious. Is that true? Do formula fed babies it's actually not. sleep longer? It's not. And it, I certainly, I wish it were true as somebody who formula fed too, yes. you know, two kids myself. Um, it's not, I think, you know, that's a myth that persists. I think if there's any truth to it and the research does not back that up and they've done research about it. Um, if there's any truth, I think it's more so related to the fact that you just know how much your baby is eating throughout the day. You're, you can be sure that they're getting full feedings versus, you know, snacking. And so I think sometimes that just helps to set up, you know, a good eating during the day schedule where they're sort of front loading their calories during the day. Sometimes that means they sleep better at night. Sometimes it doesn't babies wake up for so many reasons, hunger included, but also lots of other things. So, um, no, absolutely not. You, you, I talk to people all the time who are like, well, I switched to formula and I, I hoped my baby would sleep and they're still waking up. And I'm like, that's probably, that's probably cause it's, they're not hungry. <laughs> like it's not a hunger issue or it's, you know, it's not a, a formula issue. So if only, but no, the research doesn't support it. Okay. I didn't think so. Cause mine didn't sleep longer either. I mean, there was stretches of course, but then no, we would always go back. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Another thing that I really wanted to cover, cause I saw this one Instagram post that you had posted and it really struck a chord with me, mm-hmm. which was that some moms mm-hmm. do great and have like huge success breastfeeding with their mm-hmm. first yeah. And then they have a second child mm-hmm. and everything, as you know, as yeah. a mom of two changes because it's not as easy to sit and breastfeed yeah. a little baby when yeah. you're trying to chase the toddler or, you know, getting them to preschool or whatever. You don't have the flexibility mm-hmm. you did when you had one child. Right. Um, I know for myself, I quickly found my daughter. I was blessed when she was first born. She was sleeping four or five hour stretches amazing. And it was great. Mm-hmm. So I was super pissed that I had to get up to pump because yeah. she was sleeping. <laughs> Absolutely, I, get that. I was more tired because I had to get up to pump because I had, cause she wasn't getting up to eat. Yeah. So, um, I stopped breastfeeding. I was like, forget this. Uh, oh, this isn't yeah. working for me. I'm exhausted. Um, and it was bought, I already felt it kind of affecting my mental health yep. because it was an, it was, I shouldn't say it was inconvenient, but it kind of was. And I was getting sleep deprived because of pumping, not because of birth. Mm -hmm. And so I quickly decided to give it up and that was okay for me. I was totally content with that decision, but I know that there's a lot of moms that feel like they're failing Mm -hmm. that second child because they don't have the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. Do you have advice for these moms? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the post that you're referencing says, um, that you basically don't owe your second baby what you gave your first. Mm-hmm. And that's hard, right? Cause as parents, we want to be fair. We want to be equitable. We want to feel like, you know, we're, we can give our babies the same thing, but the reality is feeding or otherwise that second baby is growing up with a different parent than the first. Mm-hmm. And that baby has that second baby has benefits to having an experienced parent that that first baby didn't get. 
So no matter what, even if you do breastfeed them both, um, your second baby is never going to get the same thing as your first. They're never going to get as much of your time, but they're absolutely going to get the benefit of your experience and your confidence. You know, they're, they might not get as much breast milk, but they're going to get the benefit of a sibling as they're, you know, growing up and your first baby didn't have that for the first X number of years of their life. And so I think sometimes we get stuck feeling like, you know, we have to, we have to do things exactly the same and we don't realize that they're never going to be the same, no matter what we do, because, you know, we have changed, the family has changed and, um, and it's okay to make different choices based on the different needs of your family at the time. And truly that's not being unfair. That's being wise in my, you know, in my opinion. I agree. I wish I could clap for that. Like (laughs) absolutely, being on the other side of it, of course, because when I was in the newborn stage Mm -hmm. with my daughter, like the guilt was so high and not so much for breastfeeding, but you know, for my Mm -hmm. time and everything, but I agree with you now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I agree that you, you are a totally different person again, once you become a mom of that second child, because Mm-hmm. I was a different Amanda when I was a mom of one. And then I completely changed mm-hmm. again once I became a mom of two. Absolutely. And so I'll add great to advice. what it's interesting, right? Because it feels like when you make that decision, like you're failing that second kid a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, my second is two and a half. And now I look back and think, gosh, I feel so bad for my first that I tried to pump and to breastfeed her for so long that I missed out on being the mom I wanted for her Mm -hmm. for so many weeks. Mm -hmm. And so I look back and I don't think, oh, I didn't give my second what I gave my first. I look back and think I didn't give my first what I gave my second. And that's because I formula fed my second from the start. And that meant that I could be a present, engaged, loving caregiver. And so it's interesting how that, you know, with time, that perspective has sort of flipped where now I don't regret formula feeding my son from the start. I regret not formula feeding my daughter earlier uh, because of what we missed out on with me, you know, trying to make something work that just wasn't working. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Cause Mm I 100% would back you up on that. If I could go back, I would put less pressure on myself the first time and go with the flow like I did the second time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay. So another biggie that I, I'm asking for lots of advice because I feel like this topic sure. is so please help me. Yes. <laughs> and I I've had so I do um a confession thing on Monday where I ask people to give me their confessions. I love a lot you. of them are revolving around mm-hmm. breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people are struggling with this. So what kind of advice could you give to a mom who is struggling mm-hmm. with commentary? So say she's mm-hmm. formula feeding, we are full-blown formula feeding and we're getting commentary from people like, oh, how come you're not breastfeeding? Were you not able to, like, how should we handle that as moms so that we I don't like it when a mom makes an excuse like, oh, I, I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. Like you can just say, I didn't want to breastfeed. And I don't know how we can give advice to moms to just be like confident in your decision and don't worry about what everybody else thinks. Yeah. Gosh, it's so tricky. It's so mm-hmm. tricky. And you know, the bigger issue is I wish people would stop asking, right? It's such a personal yes. thing. It's such a personal thing. But the fact of the matter is people ask, people talk, people make comments and it's really difficult. Um, I think 
to me, it's sort of a two, there's a two pronged approach that I have. Number one is that when we decide we're not going to justify, when we're not going to explain, when we're not going to make um, a big deal about why we're formula feeding and why we have to formula feed. When we just say, this is what worked for us. We give others permission to do the same and we reduce the stigma that exists around it. Right. Because if we act like it's a shameful thing, when we talk about why we have to do it or why we want to do it, then that perpetuates this idea that it's something you know, to talk about in hushed tones because it's bad. So I think realizing that even if you're sort of faking it till you make it, when we are confident in how we talk about formula, it reduces the stigma for everybody. So that's point number one. And then point number two that I like to talk through with parents is that unfortunately the feeding conversation and the feeding comments is just the beginning. You know, you become a parent and somebody always has something to say about something that you're doing. Um, I wish that it ended, you know, with feeding or sleep, but it doesn't, it just continues. And so it's a good opportunity to start sort of flexing that muscle of being able to say, this is the choice that we are making for this family because it works for us, because that's a conversation that you're going to have to have a million times over. And so getting that practice early of just saying, you know, I'm this baby's parent. Nobody else is in this family, but us, they don't know. Uh, This is the scenario that works best for us so that we can love each other well. Um, And getting practice flexing that muscle, I think really benefits everybody for the long run. Cause if not now, you're going to have to learn that at some point because the comments never stop. I love that advice. Mm -hmm. I love, um, that is my comment all the time. This is what Mm -hmm. works for us because I agree the comments Mm -hmm. never stop. And I find, especially around feeding, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like personally in my parenting journey thus far, I've gotten a lot of comments about, you know, why I formula fed, why I stopped pumping. And then you know, why is my son a picky eater? Why do I feed them sugar? Oh, I give them sugar. They eat chicken nuggets. You give them McDonald's. It's like, it's just like a never ending thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm a huge fan of that. And that's what I talk about a lot Mm -hmm. um, through this podcast is if you would like to breastfeed, Mm -hmm. I think that's great. And if you want to formula feed, I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do all organics, great. Like I think yeah. Everybody has to do what's best for them. And it's okay if you're not that mom too. Like all of us go into wanting to be that, mm-hmm. what's it called? A crunchy mom. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was going to be a crunchy mom and like, I am no way in shape, any <laughs> no, way, shape or form a crunchy mom. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes, especially with food, we almost describe like too much importance to this one particular area, totally. thinking that if we can get everything right that it's somehow going to make our kids smart and healthy and successful. Right. And I think sometimes we forget that that's just one very small portion Mm -hmm. of it. And that, you know, there are all of these other factors, some that we can control, like, Hey, read to your kids, sing, play, be attentive, whatever. And some that we can't control like environment and genes and support in the home and IQ and everything else. Um, Yeah. And so I think, you know, we do everybody a disservice when we think that 
you know, if we just make all of the right choices in this one particular area around feeding, that we can control something that truly we cannot control by and large. Totally. We, um, this is like a little bit of a side note, but prime example is in our home. My daughter is a fantastic eater. She eats Mm -hmm. every vegetable I put in front of her. Mm -hmm. She eats whole grains. Like I'm real proud of myself of how good she eats the other one. Mm he eats gummy worms and chicken nuggets. Like it's like the extent yogurt drinks, like, you know, couldn't feed him a vegetable. If I tried maybe corn, maybe. And my daughter has constipation issues and the other one doesn't. Mm -hmm. And like, that just makes no sense. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it can relay back to formula feeding versus breastfeeding. Like you can do what's best for your baby and it can still have this outcome where you're like, wait, what I'm breastfeeding. This isn't supposed to be happening or whichever. Yeah. You just can. So I think the Mm -hmm. big message here is just do what's best for you. And if it's working for you, you. keep it going. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good advice. My next question for you is what would be your advice to moms who want to switch uh, to formula? but are afraid of their own judgment or their fear of failure. Or I actually loved the one reel that you did where you were walking down the aisle and you were seeing failure Mm -hmm. all over Mm -hmm. all of the formulas. Like Mm -hmm. this is what we do to ourselves. So how can a mom get to a place where she feels comfortable in her own decisions? Yeah. Um, it's, it's difficult and there's not a one size fits all answer because a lot of it's going to depend on the messaging that you have heard and internalized about what formula is and isn't. Um, But for me personally, what was helpful was number one, doing some good quality digging into what the research actually says, both about the benefits of breastfeeding and about what is formula really. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times we'll see these scary statistics and it'll be like, oh, formula fed babies are twice as likely to have an ear infection. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. But when you look at the actual research, you find that that risk goes from 2% to 4%. So yes, your, your risk has doubled, right? But there's still a 94% chance your baby's not going to get an ear infection, no matter how you feed them. Yeah. And so really looking at, at what the research says was helpful for me to be like, okay, this is actually not as big of a deal as I thought. Um, the other thing that was helpful was looking at what the statistics say about who formula feeds and when. So the CDC says by six months, 75% of families have introduced formula 75%. So it's easy to feel like you're the only one, right? Because a lot of people don't talk about it because everybody's scared of judgment, but in reality, most of the parents, you know, are using formula. And so that helped me to feel a lot better. And then the other thing that was helpful was to really think about what would the benefits of formula feeding look like for me? We talk a lot about benefits of breastfeeding. We talk a lot about risks of formula feeding. There's not a lot of talk about actual benefits of formula feeding. And so for me sitting down and thinking, how would this benefit me? How would this benefit, you know, my kid, how would this benefit my relationship with both my kids and my husband, whatever else. And really thinking through, like, it would be great for me to get consolidated five hours of sleep a night. It would be great for me to be able to really look at my baby and study her face while I'm feeding her. It would be great for me to be able to take this medication that I know I need for my health that I've been scared to take. It would be really great for me to know how much she's eating every bottle um, because we could 
hopefully stop going to the doctor every two weeks for a weight check, because, you know, I could tell them that I know she's drinking enough and really, and that's going to look different for everybody, right? What those benefits are, but taking some time to really list out how could this benefit you? And then reminding yourself of those things when those feelings of guilt or shame start to creep in, um, to try to replace some of that narrative that so many of us have internalized that formula is bad. And that was something that was really helpful for me. No, that's, that's really helpful. I never, I've never heard anyone say, think of what it would, how it will benefit me. And I think maybe that's because when we become moms, we like think we have to be the superhero and never think of ourselves, mm-hmm. but you are right. And when you were saying like, um, that you could like study your baby's face, like I can remember, I remember doing that, like laying with my son, well, having my son in my arms and bottle feeding him and just feeling that bond. I actually yeah. can remember that moment where it was like, mm-hmm. I can still have this bond and he's not on my breast and like, wow, this is really amazing. So, but yeah. That is, uh, that's some very powerful advice. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Well, to wrap up this lovely conversation, mm-hmm. I need to ask you, yeah. if you could share an honest as a mother confession with us. Uh-huh. So it can be really whatever it is you yeah. feel like you would like to share. Um, mm-hmm. I can try and think of what mine would be for you this week. Um, and my son told me I was a pain in the attic. <laughs> I think I know where he was going with this. Yes. <laughs> but I was like, oh, okay. 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 So don't say that. <laughs> okay. But, um, yeah. So we're entering like this fun stage because we're in school where we're like picking up on fun phrases and coming home with lots of questions. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're learning lots of lessons. But yeah. So my kid told me I was a pain in the attic this week. So okay. that's there my you confession. Go. <laughs> Great. Okay. My confession is that um, so both of my kids are in preschool now, three days a week. Mm-hmm. And school starts at 7:45, which is so early. Oh, really? so early. Um, and they both would naturally sleep a little bit later if I let them, which is wonderful. That's great. But so now we have to get up early. And so, um, I have positioned this, right? Like I'm really altruistic, um, with my husband where I'm like, okay, I'll get the kids up and ready while you get ready for work. Um, and if then you can take them to school, but what that really means is that I am still in my pajamas when they leave. So I can crawl back into bed and take a nap until like eight 30. So oh every day God, that they go to school, every day that they go to school, they leave the house at seven 30. I go back and I sleep till eight 30. And it is like my favorite thing in the world. And you know, I, I love had, you. Yes. I had to do a little bit of self-talk about, you know, cause of course my natural inclination sometimes is like, Oh my gosh, like this is so lazy. You could be so productive. And I'm like, no, no, this is what I want to do. And truly, I don't even think my husband knows. I don't think he knows that I'm like crawling back in bed. I love it. Even better. That's, that's my confession that uh, after the kids are in school, I nap. <laughs> I love it. And let's just call it what it is. That is self-care, my friend. You're yes, looking after absolutely. yourself. I absolutely. love it. And mm-hmm. uh, the husband doesn't know. And I love that you're playing this card of like, don't worry, honey, you sleep yes. and you get yourself yeah. ready and you, you take your really- shower in peace. I'll get the kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's really a win-win. <laughs> I love this. This is my, oh my God, this is my favorite confession yet. Oh, amazing. <laughs> 
Well, thank you, Mallory, so much. This uh, this has been super helpful for myself. I mean, I'm not going to formula feed any more babies, but I have learned so much. So this is going to be so helpful for moms everywhere. Please uh, share with everyone where they can follow you and find you so that they can reach out for more tips. Yes. So I'm on Instagram and TikTok at the formula mom. And then my website is the And I also have both on my website and in my Instagram link in bio, a free formula guide download. So if you're at that place where you're like, I don't even know where to start. I've got a free guide, which is basically a curated list of my favorite formulas based on different needs. So that's a good place if you're feeling overwhelmed. Um, so you can visit, visit my stuff and get that for free. It's a good resource. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. That that's helpful. A guide to formula. Can we get yes. any better? Seriously? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well thank guys, you for having me. Oh my gosh. It's my pleasure. Well guys, thank you again so much for tuning into this episode and I'll talk to you next week. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Honest as a Mother podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you.